0: Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially independent. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and start to live the life they truly desire. Get ready to be uncomfortable. It's not easy to unpack our thoughts and behaviors, but we will learn so much about ourselves in the process. I'm super excited for you to join me on this journey. Let's do this. Hi you guys, welcome to today's episode of the Money Isn't Scary Podcast. Today on the show, I'm sharing my conversation with Stacey Peterson. Stacy's just hilarious, yet also so real and so honest. She has such an amazing story to tell and does it with grace and gratitude. I had so much fun talking with her, and I've just been so inspired ever since our conversation. Stacey is an award-winning actress, comedian, and speaker whose life was a perpetual mess. After experiencing failure in every area of her life, including almost dying a bunch, that's a direct quote from Stacey, she made a choice to reinvent her life one painful step at a time. Stacey has performed in front of thousands, offering fun yet practical advice on improving their quality of life by overcoming stress, innovation, and living a life that matters. In our conversation, we talk about what it's like almost dying and how it changes your perspective on life. Mental health issues and how staying stuck is a choice. Reinvention after crisis and chaos. Resiliency and mindset and the power of shifting the way we talk to ourselves. The healing recognition of pain and what we can learn from it. How normal it is to not know how to relax and tips on how to get better at it. And the importance of finding your purpose and vision to overall happiness. This is such an awesome conversation, you guys. You can follow Stacy on her website, StacyPeterson.info, And you can follow her on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoy. Here we go. Hi, Stacy. welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be a part. And I got to say, I love the painting behind you
0: with the, um, sail- the yeah. yeah, yes. Looks really there, good. <laughs> yeah. And I was just saying before we hit record, I am recording this from um, a family house up in Maine. It's right before Memorial Day weekend. So we escaped a little bit earlier so that we could just be up here and enjoy like the the view of the ocean. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's definitely seaside decorated around here. (laughs)
1: Looks great. I'm like, I said, I'm jealous. (laughs) So I wish I was there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not going to be that it's, it's beautiful weather today, but it's going to get pretty cold this, this coming weekend. So back in the fifties, I think here, high fifties, low sixties. So this is Maine, this is new England weather for you. (laughs) So I want to start um, by asking you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your mission in the world. Sure.
1: Um, Well, my name is Stacey Peterson. Um, I have several amazing children who I love so much when they're not with me. (laughs) I I don't know if any of you can relate. Absolutely. Um, That's why I look like this today. Uh, (laughs) um, I'm also a funny motivational speaker. And uh, my story is that I've almost died a bunch and I don't recommend that. That's like a don't try this at home thing. (laughs) Uh, But I learned a lot uh, just through experience of that and a lot of loss. And so now I really try and live a life that is authentic to me, And that for me is helping other people live their best authentic life.
0: Awesome. I would love to hear a little bit more about your experience having almost died a couple of times and uh, we laughing, but I know it's not that funny in general. And um, so maybe a little bit more about those experiences and, and, and really a lot of your work is around mindset. So I'd love to hear more about your perspective and outlook on the world before and also how it changed after your near-death experiences. Sure.
1: Well, it's changed a lot as far as mindset. Um, I will go way back. I was literally born in a one room cabin with no running water or electricity. We were very, very poor. My parents were hippies and I grew up in the middle of nowhere. And I had a teacher my junior year in high school who one day approached me and said, Hey, have you ever thought of acting? And I hadn't, all we didn't have the arts programs of any kind at our school other than band and so she started teaching me a little bit about acting and then she took me to a competition and she drove me several hours one way to do it and while i was there one of the uh judges at the competition pulled me aside and said hey how long have you been acting and i said today and so she told me about this program um, with this world renowned theater where they took 60 students from around the world. And she encouraged me to apply. So I did. And I got in, and that was my very first experience with kind of the outside world and arts and culture and all that, because I just had never been exposed to anything like that. Um, I ended up studying theater. Got a degree in theater was starting to act I married my first husband, and um, he wasn't a super fan of (laughs) of uh, the whole acting thing so I really didn't after I was married I really didn't pursue it. Instead, I had some wonderful children, and then when I was 30, my first husband got diagnosed with a terminal illness, and really, uh, I would say within three months' time, my life was just completely turned upside down. I went from being a mostly stay-at-home mom, I had started an acting school for kids where I taught part-time, um, to the next three years, I was like, working sometimes two or three jobs at a time, just trying to keep food on the table and just really in that survival mode. Um, Unfortunately, that marriage ended in divorce. It began to kind of affect him um, mentally a little. And so I ended up leaving for the safety of myself and my kids. And uh, during the divorce, I was... um, putting together a musical theater set and I stepped on a rusty nail and it was no big deal. It healed fine. I had tetanus shot and everything. Um, the week my divorce was final. I went in to sign, um, the house, um, he took the house. And so I went and signed the papers over to him and I started not feeling well. And to be honest, I do not remember much after that, uh, to make a short story long, I was in the hospital for three weeks, uh, almost died. And I had the moment and I definitely had some thoughts that I will share of what really changed for me. Um, where I thought, oh my goodness, I think I'm dying and I didn't die, which is good. Cause that would be very creepy right now uh, <laughs> for all of us. And, but when I left the hospital, I couldn't walk. And then I ended up losing my job. So basically in three weeks time, I had lost my marriage. I'd lost my home. I'd lost my health. I'd lost my job, my financial security. I lost my ability to care for my kids and the support system that I had had really been through my job. And so I felt like I lost my support system. So my whole life was pretty much like severed from there. Um, It never quite felt right. And uh, basically what had happened was when I stepped on the nail, bacteria had gotten in my bloodstream and settled into some bones in my joints and stuff in my back. And I had gone into septic shock. So I have um, actually been septic five different times and that's how I've almost died uh, because they weren't able to kill the infection. So I did like IV antibiotics. I've had surgery where they tried to remove the infection and I did nine years of daily Antibiotics and um, it just kept coming back, and they didn't know why. And so, through that time, I kind of had a positive attitude in the beginning like, it's just a season, I'm going to get through it. But after the third time, when it came back, I realized "Uh, this isn't a season, and I really fell apart. So, I went through about a year and a half of really severe depression and was diagnosed with PTSD from almost dying so much. And it took me about a year of really making some choices to crawl back out of that. And, um, and now I'm here today and I'm so thankful for my life and what I get to do for a living and, um, definitely not perfect, but there's just a lot of joy and hope there for me. So
0: that's amazing. That's such an amazing story and i think it's just what comes to me is just this idea of reinvention right like you were somebody before all of these tragic things happened to you and then you were somebody after that right but that's in your mind that was a lot different than who you were before and who you may be after after the fact so um, it just feels really refreshing because it's like the stories that we tell ourselves, the things that are in our head um, really affect how we handle the day-to-day, right? Like when you're finally sick of your own bullshit enough, like you will, find, you will take action, right? But it can be scary. So I, 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 I'd love to talk a little bit more about, again, like what motivated you to take this step to sort of reinvent yourself and move forward because you could have just stayed in a depressant, a depressive state, you could have done that. And a lot of people live their lives like that. So I'm curious where that motivation and inspiration came from for you. And how did you actually do it? Sure. Well, um, I'll share like two different parts to this. Um, the first
1: was, it really was life altering to almost die, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Yeah. Yeah. And um, when I had that moment, I had a couple of thoughts. And the first one was, um, I, I felt like I had worked really hard and strived and was this people pleaser. And then I thought, gosh, you just work really hard and you stress about things and then you just die. And I remember I was really mad. I was like really mad at God in that moment because I had, but I felt like I had lived my life in such a way that I was always trying to people please and fit the roles. And I think some of that was, I was, I, I was raised in such a unique way and my world was so different that when I came back back basically into the real world. Um it was like trying to find my place. And so I trying to fit in, trying to figure out what like a suburban mom was. And I remember the first time I saw drywall and paint. Like it's just I was in my 20s. Um, And so I felt like I was trying to be something that just wasn't my authentic self and I had wasted my life. Um, I of course I had the regrets that people always talk about where you know, you met real, a life really is about relationships and you wish you had spent more time with your um, loved ones. But the other thing, too, that I walked away with was I had always taught my kids, hey, just, you know, you have a special gifting, live your life. Don't be afraid to pursue it. But I realized that I had not been an example for them at all. Like I had said those words, but there was zero action to show that I actually did it. And so part of that for me was like, wow, I'm still here on this earth. I still get to be with my kids you know, um, I don't know for how long, but I want to show that in action. And so that was a motivation for me as well. Cause you kind of know as a mom, it, it, things get bigger than just yourself. It really is about your children and your, and just, it's just a bigger purpose for you that makes you do things that are uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> if oh, if yeah. you want to be a good parent. I can completely relate to that. I had something like that just come up this week. I mean, I, I think that the kids are meant to be in your life because they are meant to teach you something and those particular kids and their particular personalities and behaviors. And I mean, they are supposed to challenge you harder than anybody or anything has ever challenged you in your life. And I mean, you do realize coming out of it that, yeah it is, uh, it's not about me anymore. And sometimes I may act or react and react is the big one, um, out of my own, you know, fears and insecurities and, and selfishness. And like, you know, that's just who we are. We're learning as people. But yeah, I mean, you don't have a choice sometimes. You have to, you have to be that role model them. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's incredibly important. And I think so challenging for us also when we're living in this world where, you know, everything is so fast paced and you just, everything's kind of coming at you. Very
1: much. So yes, yes, definitely children. Um, challenge you. (laughs) I think that's putting it politely. Uh, They about kill you half the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's days. (laughs) Oh goodness. Yeah. Well, that's funny. I mean, I was just actually going to say, I mean, um there's so many times I'd love to, you know, talk about resiliency a little bit. I mean, there's some days, especially in this past year, where, you know, I feel like I'm really good at 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 dusting myself off from a setback of something that happened or just, you know, I'm just flat out like exhausted and overwhelmed from the kids. And so and then there's other days where I, where like, I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. It's not so much of a struggle. And I guess I'd love to hear more about like your secret to being resilient and like getting through that. Even when, you know, if you feel that even when you feel completely beaten down and just, you don't want to face the day. Sure. Oh, there's a lot to that. So, um, I would
1: say, well, the first thing, like with my kids in particular, um, cause you know, I don't know about you, but, I, I, I don't, I never see dads struggle with this, but I know I do. And so many moms I know, um, where it's like, when we're working, we feel guilty that we're not with our kids. And then when we're with our kids, we feel guilty that we're not working. And it's like, we're never able to just, you know, divide the two and it's just constant, stress I think um, because it's always running in the back of our minds but I before I got sick I used to say things like I have to you know I have to work and then I have to you know go pick them up to practice and then I got to get home I got to make dinner I have to do the laundry I have to I have to I have to and then I almost died and didn't get to and that was a huge mindset shift for me to be able to go from saying I have to to I get to and just seeing the gift of being able to watch my teenagers fall apart in their angst or to pick up their dirty underwear off the floor it's like I don't have to it's a gift that I'm still here and get to witness it I get to and just that for some reason that gives me a sense of gratitude compared to
0: like the burden like it's a gift I love that. I love that. It's it's so true. I mean, you may think you're just going through the motions and every day is the same. But yeah, I mean, I have a five-year-old and a two and a half year old. And and I, I some days you're just like when they're throwing tantrums and they're just, you know, crying because one got the red bowl and one got the green bowl and they both <laughs> wanted the other bowls, but we don't have any more and they're dirty. And it's just, you know, it's all, they're, they're literally freaking out and throwing themselves on the floor. And it's just like, some days you can't handle it, but I also have to, it's hard, but you have to take yourself out of it and just say, you know what? I get to experience this right now, someday in the future, five years from now, definitely 10 years from now, I'll look back and I'll miss that. I will miss maybe not the tantrums itself, but just the dynamics and the, there's so many good things that, that come along with it. So it's, it's hard when you're in the moment, I know, but it's true. It's such a it's such a great way to perceive things.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, the tantrums don't go away.
0: They're just different, right? <laughs> they just like,
1: <sighs> there's a lot of that and eye rolling. <laughs> and-
0: <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> so, and it'll still be about the Red Bull. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so whatever, whatever the <laughs> stupid thing is that, <laughs> that they can't control. Oh,
1: but I, uh, here's the other part that was really transformative for me when it comes to resilience that I still, like it was probably one of the most powerful life lessons. And, um, and I love to share this is that when I was going through that dark time, I remember exactly where I was. I was in the car and I pulled over cause something had happened and, and it was just like a little life hiccup. It wasn't a big deal, but I remember having this pity party going, oh, I've been through all this and now I have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And I did, I just had like this pity party. And then I had this thought that your pain is priceless. And this is what I mean by that is that I had felt like I had lost so much, but no one had ever taken the time to acknowledge it. Like it was always this positive thinking like, well, just move forward or you're going to get through it. You're going to be fine. Like, And it was that, but there was never anyone who was like, I'm so sorry for all that you've been through and for your loss. And there's something so healing about just taking that simple moment to recognize this is hard. And I feel like when something's taken from us, it's painful. It's because it is something that was priceless. Like it could be our financial security. It could be a relationship. It could be our health. It could be our innocence. Something is taken from us without our permission that we can't get back necessarily. And in exchange, we tend to like live like this because we don't want anybody else taking anything away from us we don't want to feel that kind of pain again and so when i had that moment that your pain is priceless it was kind of healing but then i recognized well now what like i have a choice am i going to live my life all guarded and scared or am i going to choose to give my pain away and um And what I meant by that was just to still attempt to live a good life, despite the pain, despite how I felt, despite the loss. And it really was just from, it was making that decision that I wanted to be a good example to my kids, that I didn't want to waste the life that I still had, um, that I wanted to move forward. And... Here's one thing that people don't really talk about very much is that when I was in the hospital and I left, I couldn't walk. I was in a wheelchair and then I graduated to a walker and then a cane and then nothing. And, but I always still have a tiny bit of an ache. Like it's always with me, but I can walk miles now and I just don't even really think about it. And I think when we're going through something challenging, it's like, It's it's brutal. It's very hurtful. And taking step forwards sometimes hurts, especially when life is hard. It's painful. Um, But it does get less and less and less to the point where, you know, it's like mine where my joint has some scarring and stuff in there and it flares every once in a while. But for the most part, I live a good life. And so recognizing that I always tell my kids the right thing is always harder to do than the wrong thing. And so for you, you know, moving forward in your life is the right thing, but it's the much harder choice. It's hurts.
0: Yeah. I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, I talk in my um, podcast and a lot of episodes around this kind of like recurring theme of like, you gotta feel the pain. Like you gotta, like, this is uncomfortable and we need to acknowledge the uncomfortable things that we're going through. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I talk all the time about how and how I go to target and I go to target and I spend money as my way of coping with stress and anxiety and whatever life circumstances come at me. Right. And I know I'm not alone because how many memes are out there around mommy culture and like, you know, drinking wine and going to target and all this stuff. And, and I, so, so it's real that there's this kind of underlying um, overarching anxiety. I think that a lot of us feel, and that's, you know, culture induced and uh, all that stuff, but there is um, it's, it's actually like acknowledging why we're doing what we're doing with these coping strategies and letting ourselves instead of just avoid like, and I just talked about this in, in an episode I just did, like around anxiety, like anxiety, it just sucks to feel it. It is such a painful, crappy feeling, but so we do everything that we can to not feel it to to like as soon as it comes up to like get it out a, as soon as possible right and not a lot of people acknowledge that acknowledge the feeling first of all because usually it leads to something else the anxiety your body's telling you like if you get a pit in your stomach or a headache or whatever your body's telling you something and it's like you've got to slow down and like listen to it and figure out what it is and it's usually not You don't, it it doesn't come, it's, it's not what you think it is like at the very surface, it's usually something much deeper than that. And so you got to just like, let it out, like feed it like, like, and, and this is exactly to the point that you realize, I think, I mean, you, you got to allow that pain and that discomfort to come because that's the only way you'll move through it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Very well said. I, I think it's a, I think that's a general theme across, you know, I look at on this podcast with this audience. Um, I look at this stuff through the lens of money, but you can look at all, you can look at it, this same general concept through all parts of like right? Like in parenting and, you know, you may not, you may not want to, to acknowledge that, <laughs> that you, your own issues, right. Cause when you become parent and we sort of just address this, like all of the stuff, all of your stuff comes up, right. From the way you were raised, from the way you, the issues that you've had throughout your life and who you are and, and your challenges, all that stuff comes up. And, and if you just kind of ignore it or just don't pay or, or avoid it or whatever, it's so it's in parenting. It's honestly diet culture. It's through every, it, it's the same general theme. It's just whatever lens you want to take, take it from, I think. Yeah, I, I just think it's a really that's that's something that is so common for all of us. And I think the more that we talk about it and the more that we allow ourselves to to feel this stuff, the, the to your point, the easier it'll be to face it the next time it comes up. It may not totally go away, but at least now we're like, yep, okay, I know what this is and I'm in a better place to manage it than I was, you know, before when I wasn't aware of it. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, um, so I want to ask a question and I I was looking at your website and some of the the work that you do. And um, I think this might be a pretty, pretty interesting question for you. I mean, I found that as a, as a mom, a busy working mom, I've got so much stuff going on, like personally family stuff and all that stuff. I don't relax. And I just, I had this conversation with my husband that I'm just, I'm not nearly as fun as I used to be. And I feel like this is common for a lot of listeners. And I, I know this is a topic that you have addressed with your audiences before. And so I'd love your take on that. I mean, as, as busy working moms, how do we just let go and, and, and just calm ourselves down and like allow ourselves to actually relax because it's harder than you think. It is so like almost impossible. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Cause I also feel weird about it. I feel like I'm the only one and <laughs>
1: know i think this idea that you could just totally live this zen life that's perfectly peaceful like it doesn't i don't experience that anyways even though i talk about you know stress and uh, my experience with ptsd um i always ooh, i always share this too that Uh, one of the things I'm most proud of through everything that I went through, especially with that depression was that I went and I got help. And so there's no shame in getting help. And um, in fact, I, I recently had a flare with the PTSD for the first time in seven years, the day it happened, I drove myself over. I'm like, I need help because there's no point in wasting a day of your life being miserable when you don't have to. So yeah. I would say part of it is just, um, it's kind of like, a, it's so hard to be like, well, just find the joy in all the chaos, but there is something to that. So um, there's a couple things that I will share. One is just a simple question you can ask yourself at the end of the day. Like you can set a timer for like 4.30 or something, and you could say, have I lived today?
0: Mm -hmm. And if the answer
1: is no, you still have enough hours in the day, even though you're dragging probably by the, (laughs) to change that. And what does that look like for you? For some people, that's just being present with somebody they love for 10 minutes or going for a walk in nature for 20 minutes. And. Getting outside of your house and your circumstances just to breathe and feel and see the outside world. Um, for some people, that's sending a text just saying, I love you, or doing something encouraging for someone. So if you have that question, have I lived today? The answer is no, then do something that makes you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that I love is something called flow. And flow is where you lose track of time doing something you enjoy. Um, So some examples are people who do musical instruments or paint or do yard work or clean. I don't, unfortunately, <laughs> I do not have that gene. I wish I did. Yeah, no, me neither. No. I you know, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that I don't have, but it's where you're doing something a little bit productive and so cooking, it could be that you're doing something a little productive and you find that when you're done, you're not exhausted. You feel a little bit energized and relaxed. And if you pay attention to that and you start incorporating it, the studies show that if you do that two or three times a week, you're significantly happier and less stressed. The cool part with that is that it's usually something productive. So it's not like you have to feel guilty about taking the time of just sitting, trying to meditate for 20 minutes. I I have the hardest time with like the whole meditation thing, because when you have a like. They're like, be present in your environment. And I'm like, my environment is what is stressing me out right
0: now. As I'm doing this in the background, I'm I'm smelling
1: something rotten. I'm hearing (laughs) screaming in the background. I'm seeing a mess. This is what's stressing me out. (laughs) But doing something that is a tiny bit productive so that you don't feel guilty about it. And even if it is something like a musical instrument or arts or a handicraft or anything like that, you're improving your skill, writing, whatever it is, you're improving that skill so it's not wasted time and giving yourself permission, even if it's just 20 minutes, 20 minutes, that's all.
0: Yeah. I love that. Everybody, I feel like, you know, easier said than done sometimes, but you really yes. can like it. I think the big thing is a lot of times after you've had kids, you kind of forget the stuff that you like to do. And in general, what you even like to do and who you are, cause they completely just change you. Right. And so it's, first of all, finding what that thing is and then, and then making sure that you do carve just a few minutes out every day to do it. And, and for me, sometimes, I mean, my oldest is five and he literally gets up at five 30 in the morning, every day he's up with the sun. And, um, and so it's maybe getting up with him and putting him in front of the TV or whatever, trying to find just a couple of minutes here and there to, to do something for me in the, in the meantime, which is you know, not easy to do. So it's allowing ourselves to do that. It's not, no, yeah. it is definitely easier said than done. It's
1: kind of like, <laughs> I remember like the older moms, you know, when you you have young kids and they're like, you just got to enjoy it because <laughs> the years go by so quickly. And I remember thinking, are you kidding? Like every day feels like five months long.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, I know like, that always, when somebody says that to me, I always just get like angry. Cause I, feel, <laughs> I get it. I get And I'm just being real here. I mean, yes, I totally yes. see it from their perspective, but they're not me right now. They're not handling it. And I know this is again, like self-serving, but the, I just, it just feels condescending in a way. <laughs> Yes. Like, do you have to deal with what I'm dealing with right now? No, you don't. Plus, the world was different. whenever When you had kids, it was just a different time, right? I mean, with advances in technology, with everybody working from home there, I mean, it just is a completely different time now. And raising kids, I think, is a little bit harder. I mean, you can't just send them out into the street to play with kids, like neighbor's kids. I mean, it the, the world has just changed that's all so i think i get a little i can go off my soapbox but i i i always kind of roll my eyes when i get a comment like that.
1: yes <laughs> yes they're not acknowledging
0: your pain <laughs> that's what's right. happening right. right it's just oh this is how you should feel and it's like no no that's not <laughs> <wrong>. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the guilt around it. So yes. yes. Anyway, before we wrap up, um, I want to ask. I kind of want to go in a different direction. Um, you had mentioned when you had all these tragic things happening to you one after the other, and you had lost your job. You know, you had mentioned before this kind of you had lost your financial security. And so, because you know, we talk about. I, I look at this stuff through the lens of money. I'm I'm just curious how how you handled that, and you know what your journey with money has been. And where you are now and how that kind of comes into play with the work that you do. Because I think this is a really important thing to talk about. A lot of people just, we don't know, we don't know what other people have dealt with or are dealing with. And we, as a culture, keep all this stuff so close to the vest. And so I think it's really important to share some of your experiences, to the extent that you're comfortable, so other people can can you know just say, hey, maybe maybe feel a little bit of support. Hey, I see a little bit of myself in her, or you know, help to understand more about themselves through that.
1: Yeah. So well, so I grew up really poor. Like I remember being hungry. Um, I remember in seventh grade, I had three pairs of, I had three shirts and two pairs of pants, and that's what I wore to school all year long. And I remember worrying about money as young as like 10. Um, and I did learn to be frugal, uh, very frugal. Cause my mom is so frugal. Yeah. <laughs> so if you eat with her in a restaurant, it's so embarrassing because she's the one that wipes out all the napkins and the salt and pepper shakers and my grandmother was like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is my mother. It's totally humiliating. Um, and then. You know, I, um, as a, when I was a stay-at-home mom that I was still frugal, it, w- it wasn't like we were making a ton of money or anything. And then he stopped working. And so that's when I quote, got real jobs. And I did that for, you know, that time. When I lost my job, um, I, <laughs> I don't handle a lack of security well. But for whatever reason, I think it's just that moment of my life of I've tried to do things like everybody else's way. And that's not what I want for my life. And I will tell you that even to this day, like today, (laughs) this very day, I've had to purposely move forward through a lot of fear to be able to do what I do for a living now, because it's not secure. And that, you know, 2020 was a bit brutal uh, because I do live performing. So, and live speaking and, but that purpose uh, that I wanted and the goals that I wanted for my life, I realized that I would need to sacrifice that sense of security and struggle deal with fear and do what I can to overcome it constantly in order to live this particular life but I feel like my purpose and what I do and helping to make a difference in people's lives requires me to take risks financially and in a lot of ways you risk failure every time you get up on stage or you know mm-hmm. you turn the camera on you're risking failure yeah. um, and uh, like I said I was a chronic people pleaser I don't like to I don't want to fail in front of anybody so um, I think with the finances, the fact that I knew what I wanted from here on out with my life, um, and I was willing to go through the discomfort to make that happen, um, and I also realized that it would require sacrifice. I think, thankfully, because I didn't grow up in, like, a suburban area or anything, my lifestyle, <laughs> I always say I'm such a cheap date. I, like, I have such low expectations, <laughs> So yeah. I realized that I would, you know, for a while, at least anyways, I wasn't going to be anything amazing financially yet, but that that would require work and time. And, um, and so I do, I start, but it is that sense of purpose for me. It is the life that I want. I feel that I'm here to do it. It's an example to my children and it's worth it to me than, you know, just getting a regular job, which would provide me that sense of security.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think, um, you are very clear in your vision and who you are in the world. And it's, it shows, I mean, you're willing to take that risk and struggle through times like last year. And, um, you know, it's, it just shows your, again, your, ability to be resilient and to stay strong and focus on like what your values are and um and and that's a really important thing i think like so many times again you know we if when we get that kind of real job we might just go through the motions and it it sort of maybe even at times strips us away of what our values are or it helps it it makes us not quite as clear and um I think it's really inspiring to see somebody like you who is very clear on on your vision and your kind of place in the world. Okay, so I have one last question for you. Sure. Um, If you could leave the audience with any one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: It's very simple. Life is short, live it well. Perfect.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you, Stacy. Can you please um, tell everybody how they can find you and follow you and all the work that you're you're doing in the world. Yeah,
1: so I am just now, since it's 2021, a little late, uh, just now starting to work on my YouTube channel. So you cool. can Google my name. Uh, it is Peterson, P E and David, E-R-S-O-N. So you could totally subscribe because I would love that. You can cyber stalk me on Instagram, Facebook. Um, and then I did just finish. It's 100% free. There's no strings attached. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a free masterclass. Basically, it's 10 lessons on lowering your stress. It's the seven habits of highly stressful people. And um, you can find it at elevate.ac is the company that is helping um, just put good things out
0: into the world. So
1: like I said, it's no strings attached if you're feeling stressed. You
0: can check that out. I am definitely going to download that one like this afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it so much. Thank you for your time.
1: Yeah. Thank you.